0: hi guys. Oh my goodness. It's been a few days. I hope everybody's doing well. Y'all all all are out here just motherfucking thriving and surviving um, this crazy life that we are living. So I am here guys. Um, I just wanted to take a second before I even get into this episode. um, And I just want everyone to do, do something for me. Okay. I would love for everyone to Take their hand. If you're driving, don't fucking do this, but take your hand, uh, let's say your right hand or your left hand, depending on, I don't give a fuck, and reach over your shoulder and pat the opposite shoulder and pat yourself on the fucking back because you know what? Our society conditions and trains us to be such overachievers and to always push through things and to um, be commended when we do when we push through things, like we value strength so much that, um, we don't really take the time to be compassionate with ourselves and, and being, and check in with ourselves. Cause it's like, if you're that strong bitch, if you can just push through shit, if you can just be a survivor, if you don't cry, no tears, you know, I'll just sweat or whatever people fucking say. Um, and I think we need to take a second and just give ourselves a pat on the shoulder and, I mean, you've made it through this week. You know, maybe the biggest thing you've done this week is get your eyebrows done, some self-care. Maybe you just got your laundry done finally. Um, maybe you reached out to an old friend and, and caught up. I mean, we just need to give ourselves more credit because, yeah, these things might seem little. But when you're doing these little things that do take a lot of energy during a fucking pandemic while the country's literally on fire at the White House, like, I just, the headlines, I mean, we just, I think we need to do a couple things. Number one, pat yourself on the shoulder. Okay, you can put your hand back, right? Second thing we need to do is we need to acknowledge, and I don't mean acknowledge as in, like, dwell on it, right? We don't need to to dwell on it, but I think we need to acknowledge, bruh, things are bad. Things are really bad right now. Like, just don't have to get into specifics but i just think we need to acknowledge that the state of our world and the state of our countries is abnormally bad like it is just it's things are just really bad right now and the fact that you are surviving the fact that you are thriving or that maybe you're not thriving maybe you're just holding on by a fucking thread but you're holding on you're showing up to work or you know you're taking care of your kids or you're keeping your relationship alive. Or you're, you know, doing keeping your apartment clean. Like, we need to acknowledge that things are really bad. And for us to be able to do the things we consider to be so mundane and so little, the fact that we're able to maintain those, uh, to keep your eyebrows on fleek. To, if the people that are working out right now, I just got kudos to y'all because it is not me. I'm not her. Um, I used to be, like, a very fitness-focused person. And then I started to prioritize just being in survival mode and how am I going to keep my shit together? Um, so I'm not working out. So people, if you're doing that during all of this, I mean, fucking kudos, like take a moment and just realize the, the enormity of doing normal things during such an abnormal time in our lives and in the lives of, everyone around us in the world, but especially in America. So you're doing okay. And I just think, I want everyone to know that. Bitch, you are doing all right. You know, I think I'm definitely a big person to not ever really acknowledge the little things that I do, or even not even little, but just the things I do, um, despite what's happening around me, or despite my past, or despite my trauma, despite what I'm what I'm going through, And, you know, I've been very grateful to have people, friends, my boyfriend, people who tell me, like, hey, you realize, like, you're a strong-ass bitch, like, you've been through some shit, or or you're going through some shit, or, you know, despite everything, you still manage to laugh, or smile, or fucking podcasts, like, you still are managing to get shit done, and, um, it's, it's not easy, um, it sucks, but we're doing it, and, You know, when I say we need to realize how bad things are, I don't want you to dwell in how fucked up things are. But just know, like, you're being a bad bitch during one of the craziest times ever. So congratulations to you for making it to today, making it through this morning, this evening. If you're listening to this after you clock out of work, you fucking made it through without fucking shanking anybody. Like, good for you. Take that moment and celebrate yourself. But now that I'm done with that rant, (laughs) um, I do want to double back really quick. We just had an episode that I put out last week that garnered a lot of strong responses from people. It was about religious, religious trauma and my experience with it and some crazy ass fucking stories about like fucking puppet shows and money cometh and the sounds of hell. And I, you know, posted on the Instagram page at Depressed Funny People, I posted clips from Creflo Dollar's church, which Creflo Dollar is the pastor who was the guest pastor at my church often because he was the spiritual father um, of our pastor. So we were underneath that wing. So we would go to conferences at his church in Atlanta. We would drive up from Florida, from Tampa, um, Tampa Bay. And um, I posted a clip of the sermon that my mother and father made me look at. I mean, I was a little older. I think I was like 18, 19. Um, you know, but still, you know, whatever. And they made me watch these clips, which you can look at on the page if you want to press pause right now if for context and go to Depressed Funny People and look at the videos. Um, they're from the sermon where Gruffalo actually played this audio uh, the sounds of hell and you got to hear things in hell moving around and people screaming and just uh, just ridiculousness so, we have a voicemail here on the show where you guys can call and leave me a one-minute voicemail, either asking a question, um, f- responding to, giving me your commentary on something you heard on an episode, what have you. So I want to play this voicemail, and then I want to dive into uh, something I didn't get into last week when, when discussing religious trauma, which is where am I now? Like, what the fuck do I believe now? Like, what in the goddamn fuck is going on with my beliefs after all that goddamn trauma? Uh, So we're going to talk about that, and eventually I do want to bring someone that's like a professional that can discuss (laughs) how we can all move through this trauma. So we'll relate for now, but I do want to bring someone in so we can figure out what we can do with all the shit that we've, we've dug up in this group therapy session. So let's play this voicemail, and we'll go from there. So this whole thing kind of pissed me off because you have a pastor, a huge authority, his own television channel, saying crazy shit to your parents who are supposed to allegedly know more than you believing this. And then there's you, shamed if you question and afraid to question because what if you actually don't know? And what if they are right? Right, Sure sounded like millions of people being tortured to death, but this is the problem with the black church, right? Black church is literally the reason that black people are in the predicament that we're in, in terms of education, in terms of uh, women's rights, in terms of trans and gay rights, in terms of black wealth. There is no reason with the tax-exempt status of churches that there shouldn't be countless black Christian Colleges, neighborhoods, civic organizations, public housing, mutual aid networks, et cetera, et cetera. Instead, we got fucking Creflo Dalla and the sounds of hell so he can buy a new Bentley. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> oh, thank you for that voicemail. That was the read of, of this, this show season so far, the best read. Um, but I mean, like this caller put it, I mean, where's the lie? Where's the lie? And that's the thing that is so unfortunate um, about the church in general, uh, but then more specifically about the black church is you know just how much of a disappointment um, it has been when it comes to pulling the community together uh, and really creating opportunities uh, for us by and large uh, because I feel like there's certain things that we just get hung up on and people are so obsessed with being homophobic And they're so obsessed with sticking to these silly ideals and silly traditions and silly bullshit um, that they miss so many golden opportunities. And like he just said, he said everything. I don't even need to say anything more on that down the black church because that was literally everything you needed to know about them in 59 seconds um, as far as, you know, by and large, I'm not going to say every black church is a fucking crufflow dollar, but I will say that the black church as a whole, um, bruh, like we just haven't done it. I mean, fucking the fuck. I'm not even talking about the black church. BET, man, look at fucking BET. Missed opportunity. Drop the fucking ball. Uh just, just let this shit slip out of our fucking fingertips. Like we should have. Fucking home decorating shows on BET. We should have cooking shows on BET. We should have uh, you know shows that are, uh, you know, educational programming on BET. BET doesn't have shit, but m- music videos and reality TV and a few, um, a handful of like um, like television dramas. And that's really all she wrote. And it is just crazy because the platform was there, but we dropped and fumbled the ball so hard. The fact that you can't, as a black person who loves interior design such as myself, find one show that is solely... I mean, there was one that was on Netflix with the gay couple, um, where one's an interior designer and one is a stylist. I forget the name. Jason Bolden and his husband... That show was great, don't get me wrong. But it is crazy that BET has no original programming that can even compare. I mean, we cook some of the best food in the fucking world, and we don't even have a cooking show. Like, it's it's just, I... (sighs) Anyways, maybe I'm wrong and you guys all know something I don't. Feel free, feel free to reach out to me. But, okay, I'm done with the black church. See, that stressed me out, but it was very accurate. And I think it's definitely an abuse of power. And it is just definitely an abuse of resources. Um, when you take the resources and these opportunities and you um, choose to use them to just make yourself rich and say, fuck everybody else, it's really a tragedy. And it, it's really sad that people are allowed to you know, do things like this, but at the same time, it's like freedom of speech, and also y'all Negroes are showing up at his church. Like he's not forcing shit down your throat. Y'all are showing the fuck up. So my parents still watch him. So if anyone wonders, like, oh, you know, I wonder if you guys will be able to like reconcile your, you know, differences in belief. Um, no, they still fucking listen to the. the uh, um, ugh, I can't. They still listen to him, but. That leads me into something a few people asked me, and this is not something I was able to really elaborate on last episode because we didn't really have much time. I was talking about, you know, my crazy stories with religion and with the church that I grew up in and kind of why that shaped, you know, this big Megatron um, Optimus Prime of trauma that is built up of little arms and little legs of of different things that have happened and why the church is probably the bottom half of my Megatron anxiety monster and trauma monster. The majority of it is religious trauma. Like it's like at least his bottom half, like legs (laughs) probably up to the hips, maybe even a couple arms on the whole Megatron monster. But, um, where does that leave me now? And that's such a great question. You know, my family has, my parents have since calmed down a little bit. Um, you know, I'm not here to tell their story and I'm not here to tell their business. I'm just here to kind of tell my story and if there are parts of my story that involve them, then naturally you're going to hear about it. Uh, but in regards to my relationship with them, I feel like they've calmed down a little bit. And I think losing a child um, who you prayed for to stop doing drugs for years, I think losing them finally m- maybe makes you realize that, you know, this magical fucking magic magic um fucking religion these magic prayers they don't fucking work like you can't pray away someone's drug addiction and i think they realize that you can't pray away someone's homosexuality and i'm not going to sit here and put them in the same um boat but i will tell you verbatim i was told that my brother's drug addiction um was a disease and what i was doing with you know choosing to be gay was a choice and an awful choice i was making so um in god's eyes you know his that sin was less than mine because i'm choosing to be gay he can't choose he can't help that he has a drug addiction problem so i mean that these are like the things that people tell you and you don't believe it but it doesn't make it less traumatic um so yeah i mean they have still are still going to the same church. But I mean, I mean, I think they've just gotten older. So they're less involved, but they're still, you know, bought into it. And I talked the other episode, talked in the other episode about maybe they do realize that it's all bullshit, but they've spent so much time and, you know, possibly, you know, ruined, not possibly, 100 percent ruined, you know, relationship they could have had with me and maybe my other siblings because of this church. I think you double down. I think if you're a prideful person um or if you just can't handle the idea of of processing all that you just double down you know double down on your religious beliefs and keep it moving I think it would be a lot to say hey 20 years later um my bad I need to completely abandon this this church that I've put my blood sweat tears and a whole lot of fucking money into money that could have gone to other things, that could have gone to, you know, I don't even know. I mean, building a future for themselves. I mean, they're they're okay, but, I mean, you, who knows what, you know, 10% of your annual salary as just your tithe and then taking maybe another 10, 15% of your salary that goes to offerings and to special events and to the building fund and like the land that they were buying off to build this huge dome that was never built and was n- I why didn't anyone question they're supposed to be building the dome and it's like acres and acres and acres in Tampa and they had to buy the land which cost a couple hundred thousand dollars like I guess like the the air rights or the land rights—I don't fucking know—but thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that we were working to pay for. And what they would do is they had pictures of it blown up, and then those pictures were replaced by um, TV screens that you know we'd be able to watch the service through. You know, they throughout the service on the walls on the either side of the podium. Um, these huge jumbotrons, and on the tr- jumbotron they would bring up this, you know footage of, uh, aerial footage of the land that was purchased and we would all stretch our hands to the land and pray and claim it as ours and then everyone would give a third type of offering which went um, to the building fund specifically. To my knowledge, those Negroes are still in the same building that they were in when I was 13. Um, That dome was never built. Uh, So I just, that's probably why they they haven't abandoned their practices. I'm not saying they need to leave Christianity, but at some point you got to be like, okay, this this church, this is some fucking bullshit, but they're not there. and I don't think they're ever going to get there. So where does that leave me? It leaves me feeling awkward and uncomfortable, right, when it comes to religion. Um, I don't talk about it with them. I, I don't engage in any dialogue about religion with them any longer. Um, they don't beat me up with it. There's no more religious bullying, which was a thing. So it's not like, you know, where um, I'm being chastised and yelled at and and, and, and you know, beat with the Bible any longer. But um, because I also wouldn't take that shit at this point. You get hit right the fuck back, and I would really hurt someone's feelings if they ever came for me at this point. I'm way too realized, uh, when it comes to myself and when it comes to how people should be treated, I think I really have a good hold on that at this point in my life. And that could never fly the, the guilt trips and all of that. So, I mean, now I just feel weird. Like, you know, I have trust issues and yeah, I mean, I've dated a lot of trashy fucking men that have done trashy things and I'm sure I have been trashed to somebody as well. Let me not act like I'm sister Mary Clarence over here, like this fucking, you know, angel nun, but I have trust issues when it comes to take, and I'm sure a lot of people that have religious trauma feel this way. You take someone's belief system, you create it, you build up their faith and their hope and their, you know, in their thoughts about their existence, you know, you build all that, right? And then one day they find out that it's all bullshit, and not to say that they're religion is bullshit but the majority of the people who are perpetuating the religion and who are um being spokespeople we'll call it for the religion and people who are the most vocal about the religion nine times out of ten are hypocritical pieces of fucking shit when you grow up and realize that you're like oh my god when someone teaches you that to hate yourself because of your sexuality your sexual orientation um and then you grow up and find out you shouldn't have been hating yourself. And all of that hatred was taught to you in the name of Jesus. You start to feel like a little fucked up. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to fucking believe at this point? And it's just interesting. Like, I don't have children, right? But I feel like if you were to have kids, they should really have the option of what religion they want to, to undertake, you know, I don't want kids ever, but if I had them, I would let it be their choice. Um, you know, I remember going to this church and they had, you know, they spoke in tongues there where everyone, you know, spoke in tongues. If you ever, if you don't know what that sounds like, I mean, you can look it up on YouTube. Everyone speaks their own individual language to God. And I didn't want any parts of this. Right. Cause I was like 12. I was like, bro, I don't want to fucking bitch. I don't know what the fuck they're saying. I don't want to fucking like girl. Bye. Um, and I remember my parents made me go back. I mean, I would get guilt, guilted every week. Like, my mom would look at me like, you. Cause they would ask, they would say, does anyone want to come down, you know, when they would do the altar call? Like, who wants to come down and rededicate their life? Who wants to come down and get saved and accept the Lord Jesus as their, their God and Savior? Um, and then they were like, who wants to come down and receive the gift of speaking in tongues? And I was like, bitch, no. So after just getting... You know, guilted every fucking week. I'm like, I'm gonna go make this this you know woman I love and respect and trust um, happy because um, you trust like you know my caller was saying you trust these adults to be telling you to do the right thing. So I went back into a room with a lady who had a Bible and she opened the scriptures that are about um, speaking in tongues, and it was this intense one on one situation where she imparted the gift to me which was basically her just squeezing my hands and like yelling uh, in tongues at me until I started muttering sounds which was me trying to shut her the fuck up and end this this you know situation um so I mean when religion is like shoved down your throat right you're you're obviously gonna there's trauma with that and then you take the trust you had so I have big trust issues, and I don't know how I feel about religion. I don't know how I feel about my own spirituality. Um, I've, to be honest, I, mean, I feel like I'm having an ex- existential crisis, like 100%, 100%. Um, I feel like it's at the, the root of a lot of my anxiety. Hell, fucking yeah, like death. What does the afterlife, I mean, you're taught one thing. Like What p- pieces of Christianity should I take? Um, and still believe what parts should I leave what parts were bullshit what parts were truth so at this point I just am really like at a like wipe my hands clean of it all and just standing back and observing it at the end of the day if God is what everyone says he is he understands my thoughts he knows my thoughts so he obviously would know that a bitch is confused because these fucking people who are running around saying they were doing shit in your name taught me some bullshit and made me feel confused and have trust issues. So, yeah, big trust issues. I think that's probably the biggest, you know, um, thing, you know, issue I have coming away from that is that trauma is I don't know to trust people. It's very hard because you have these people who are your religious leaders that you're taught by the people you trust that are your parents that they're the best people in the world, and they're people you need to look up to, and you're not doing enough, and you're not good enough if you're not doing the things that their children are doing, if you're not in the same um, activities as their children are in, if you're not praying as much as their children seem to be praying, and, you know, if you're not as involved with the church as their kids are, so you really begin to just, just, automatically you're going to have these complexes and insecurities and self-esteem issues because, by and large, a lot of religion teaches you you're never good enough. And then you go to an overzealous, sham-ass, fucked-up church that teaches you that you're trash and you feel like you're never going to be good enough. So you take that into your relationships and then you date shitty people and you let them treat you like shit because you never know Um, you just don't feel good enough. You never know, you don't really establish boundaries and you don't have good examples of what's good and what isn't because at least this is someone accepting me for who I am, so I'm going to take what they give me, Um, which is, that's what I really experienced moving into relationships was just taking bullshit because at least they're not telling me that I'm going to go to hell. At least... They're telling me it's okay that I'm gay. But I'm like, bitch, this person is treating you like, you know, shit. Otherwise, like they're not checking off any other box that they should be checking off as a partner, as a boyfriend, as whatever. And um, as a friend, uh, you know, shit, while we still got a few minutes here, I mean, friendships, I mean, that has been tough this year. And maybe... I don't know, actually, maybe maybe the this episode's taken a turn. Friendships are tough, and sometimes the origin stories of our friendships are very telling about how things play out and about the influence those relationships have on you. It's not just your boyfriends um the friends that I you know flock to to seek acceptance. you know not all of those friendships were healthy, not all of those friendships were built on healthy foundations. Not all of those friendships were meant to last a lifetime. Um, I think sometimes people always talk about reasons or seasons, and I think that that's accurate. And it doesn't mean there's a bad reflection or these are all terrible people. Um, Because at the end of the day, people will only treat you the way you let them, right? So, you know, I allowed myself to get in some friendships that were maybe more controlling or more anxiety-inducing or... um, um, forced at times, um, uh, maybe just, just not healthy overall, um, or friendships where people were using me, like, I've had that happen in the past, and you get into these because you don't, you're just seeking acceptance so badly, and I think I'm finally getting to the point where I'm like, okay, I, I, I know what I want from a partner, I know what I want from a friend, and, and, to be even more honest, I'm having a problem making new friends. Um, I moved to Miami four years ago, and I was on a mission to make friends when I moved there from St. Pete, where I'm really where I'm born and raised, St. Petersburg area. And I was uh, desperately trying to make friends. I was on the Meetup app. I created a couple social clubs, and thankfully there are a handful of people that I can say, you know, I walk away from that being like. There's some cool ass fucking people. I'm so happy I met, and some friends that I know I'll be talking to when we're forty. We'll still be cool. Like we'll still just you know just people that I really really, you know, enjoy and and and, and love those people. But, um, coming to Chicago was very different, and my first year was just trying to spent trying to settle in and figure shit out. But also, COVID nineteen happened during this time. But also, also, um. During that time of trying to make all these friendships in Miami, I realized a lot of them—the the people I was trying to become friends with—like it was, the, it just wasn't the tea. It was not people I should have been friends with. And then my trauma with you know the friendships I've had over time and my family, and I'm realized I'm scared to make new friends, and it's crazy because I'm so fucking social. But I'm just realizing this the other day. I'm like I am scared that I'm gonna invest in the wrong people again because I feel like. I invested a lot of emotions and a lot of uh, loyalty into a lot of friendships that didn't pan out. Um, Or maybe those people did not have my best interests in mind. Or they had mine, but not people who look like me. And that was something that I ran into this summer. Is okay. You love me. But how do you feel about black people? You know, how are the people that you're allowing in your life, the people you're dating... Um, the people you're marrying, people you're having kids with, how do they feel? Because if you can overlook someone's bigotry and hatred, bigotry, um, disdain, uh, just if you can overlook someone's negative feelings, racist feelings towards someone who looks like me, we can't be friends. We can't. We can't, and these are things that I never would have questioned before, um, because, you know, I've really valued people that accepted me for how I was, Um, but I also wasn't a fully realized black person at the time, where I was feeling woke and feeling like I understood white privilege and, and, and racial disparities, and I've talked about it on here. I was super fucking ignorant, very Candace Owens vibes, you know, and... If a friend can't grow with you through that, um, it's just not meant to be. And it's not fair for either of you. Like, I was posting so many articles about Trump and about... Um, the Trump administration and the bad things that they were doing and the negative of impact it was having on black people and, you know, articles highlighting, hey, this is racist behavior. This is something racist that he said. This is, you know, bigoted bullshit. Like this is, you know, Trump supporters are this and that and this. And I was stressing myself out because I had to see them, those, those articles, right, on my feed. And I realized I was only posting them because I was begging certain people that were in my life to see things through my eyes because they were still making excuses or being a contrarian or just being very like, you know, uh, you know, excusing themselves from the conversation, you know, which is a privilege to do. But to say, you know, I'm just, you know, kind of out of it. Like, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to go there. Or I can see both sides, which to me, there's not. So it was unfair for me on both ends, it was unfair for me to subject myself to the stress of trying to convince someone that my life matters and that people that look like me, their lives matter and that things are happening on a larger scale and you know, systemic racism is real and that Trump supporters, like if you tr- if you support that, there's certain things that you do fucking support. And the energy I was putting in trying to convince those people exhausted me. And I can only imagine how stressful it was for them to see me throwing this shit at them all day. It was not fair for either, either party involved, right? So I'm a little nervous to make new friends. I, I have trust issues um, based on these experiences. And, and it wasn't that I didn't trust those friends. It was that I didn't trust myself to pick friends who I knew... I wouldn't have that experience with again. And that's where the trust issue came in in that, in that instance. Then, with the other friends and things I've been through, definitely trust issues there. Um, but a lot of issues not being able to trust my own judgment about f- friends. Um, you know, with a romantic partner, there's a lot more vetting involved and a lot more time spent one on one where you can really dig deep and figure things out. It's very intimate. With friends, not so much. So I just found myself fucking scared. And I'm wondering, are there any other people of color out there who are having trouble making friends during this time because you just don't know what... Someone could be so funny and fun and then you find out their fucking boyfriend has neo-Nazi tattoos on his body and you're like, fuck, this sucks. Now we can't be friends anymore because if you could lay next to that... I mean you you don't give a fuck about me. And maybe you care about me, but you don't care about the bigger picture, which is a part of my life, a part of my struggle, a part of my fears, a part of my anxieties. And if it's a friend, you can't support that. Like it's it's like when it only what this 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 year reminded me of is if you're out with your friends and they're your real friends and you're at a club, right? And you're ratchet, right? And Someone starts swinging on your friend, and they start beating your friend's ass. Are you going to stop and ask, well, I don't know who started it. Um, I don't know, you know, if my friend is completely right. No, you're going to dive in and fucking help your friend because your friend is telling you this is a fight for their life. This is a fight for their safety. This is a fight for them. And I didn't have friends. Like, I have friends that were doing that, but... There were several friends that weren't, and that wasn't something I could carry forward with me. And it's unfortunate, and it's not, I'm not gonna say it's not sad, and there wasn't a grieving process, um, or that I hate those people. There's no such thing as hatred towards anyone that has been close to me. I don't have that. I don't have the space for hatred. Like, I know what being raised um, under a doctrine that inspires, is inspired by hatred. You can't tell me that the homophobic shit I grew up hearing telling people they're going to burn, yeah, it comes from a place of, yeah, maybe you are scared but there's so much hate for, you know, um, you know, behind the whole homophobia and everything. I know what that's like so I don't have hatred towards anyone that's been close to me um, because of those things. I just know that I had to separate myself. So yeah, going forward, I don't know. This is just my talk about trust. And then obviously you have trust just based on the men you're dating. But I've kind of like relinquished a lot of the power that th- those romantic relationships um, had on my past and on my trauma. Only because I know the only reason I got into those relationships uh, with broken people was because I was broken. And I just wanted to get to the root of to more, more to the root of they are more of a symptom. They weren't the root of the disease. Those relationships were a symptom. Um, Doesn't mean there's no trauma there. Um, You know, I would date high-strung people that sometimes, you know, were very irritable, and I'll find myself with my current boyfriend, and I just will be kind of cringing because I'm waiting for him to blow up or, you know, be impatient or get angry, and he doesn't, and then I'm just like, Oh, trauma. Got it. Oh, surrounding myself with impatient, pushy people. Oh, got it. Okay. Mimicking my home environment, um, on a, on a less extreme level. But when it comes to the chaos, I was surrounding myself with chaotic people, whether they're outwardly chaotic or inwardly chaotic. I was sounded for surrounding myself with this chaos because it felt normal. Um, but they would just were more accepting. But I don't know. Uh, this is kind of where I'm at. And this was a lot. But these are just my thoughts on where I'm at with religion. I want to bring on a person who helps people through this. I mean, I have my own therapist and we have our conversations. But I would love to have um, you know, a um, mental health professional or even a religious leader uh, that would call in. And we could have a discussion with, hey... How do you help people? Uh, how do you... How do you get people to fucking believe after they've been beaten down by the fucking Bible? Because, I mean, that is something I'd be interested in hearing. So, yeah, this is my talk. My not TED talk. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, I think I'm going to record a second episode. I think this is going to be a double episode because, Yeah. There that there's gonna be more there's some more shit I need to talk about, but I don't want this episode to last forever. I do wanna talk more about friendships, because I stumbled into that and then yeah. So thank you guys for tuning in. Um I wanna make sure that you are subscribing. This shit is on iTunes and Spotify. Um also you can um rate the show. You can also write reviews. Um, I think you might have to use the link in Spotify. I mean, there's a link in the, um, show notes, like the de- description on iTunes and Spotify where you can actually send a voicemail. It might only work through Spotify, but people are also telling me it works through iTunes. iTunes, Just try it. If it doesn't work, message me on Instagram, um, depressed, funny people at depressed, funny people. So I can kind of try to troubleshoot this because I've had two people tell me they had issues. If not worst case scenario, Just send me, um, a, um, like a, uh, iPhone message. You can just email that, um, or message it, DM it. Let's try it. Um, either way, thank you guys for tuning in. Tell a friend. And, like, I try to tell people at the end of every episode, try your best to keep your shit together, however it works for you. And keep remembering to pat yourself on the motherfucking back because you're a bad bitch and you're surviving this shit storm. So... Yeah, that's all I got. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.